What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship and catechesis, works of charity, acts of justice, and the list goes on and on and on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to grow in your relationship with God. But my disclaimer is this, I am not perfect. Therefore, the advice I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you in your relationship with our Lord and his church. But if my advice is helpful and difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into God more in prayer, study, fellowship, and worship so that God can give you the graces that that we all need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on uh, iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and all the podcasts formats out there. When you rate us and review us and comment, uh, it helps other people to find out about the show. And finally, you can share us on your social media pages. Again, this also helps other people to find out about the show. If it's good for you, potentially, it can become good for them as well. On today's show, what are we talking about? We are going to address uh, the women in our church and their authority that they possess or their lack of authority. We're also going to talk about uh, marriage and women being submissive to their husbands. And finally, we are going to talk about how do we speak to uh, men and women in our families uh, who have been married and divorced and remarried outside the church without annulments and are receiving communion at Mass. So before we get to those really really good topics. I want to invite you to listen to a glory story. So my, my glory story this week is I was able to participate in the Focus Seek conference this past, this past weekend. And um, though it was a mess getting there, I mean, flights were being canceled left and right. I wasn't able to get to Dallas. I was able to speak in Denver and I was supposed to go to Dallas. That didn't happen because of all the, all the stuff with all the flights. But I was able to, to run into a lot of my really close friends who I rarely get to see, but a few times a year. And particularly it was a gift because uh, whenever I was speaking at the conference in Denver, uh, my family who lives in Denver was able to come to the conference and they were able to uh, to spend some time uh, with us. And that was just a gift. I love my family and it is such a gift to be able to be with them. I was able to hang out with some of my, my very dear friends, uh, including uh, Chica and Mari Pablo and Sister Miriam James, and and share hearts very briefly, but it was still very beautifully. Um, it was just a gift. It was a gift. And so, though I wasn't able to make it to Dallas, which I was looking forward to because that's where a lot of my students were at. My focus missionaries were there. My friends were there. Sister Josephine was there. Uh, the Vagabond uh, missionaries were there. Uh, I wasn't able to get there, but but the Lord had other plans. And so, uh, it uh, it was just a, it was a gift, a huge gift, really, really good time with the Lord 
almost felt like a little a little retreat because I spent most of the day before Seek started just in prayer and with God, and it was ah, there's just nothing better than being with the Lord and being having time just away from distractions, just to be totally focused on Him in prayer. Yeah, what a gift! What a gift it was. And now let's jump into today's show. All right, first question is about women in leadership, and it comes from Nicole. That's Nicole. That was the name. So funny story. Not really funny. uh, Just fun fact, maybe. Maybe something a fun fact. Just a fact. How about that? Um, One of the very first crushes I ever had in my entire life was I had a crush on a girl named Nicole. Nicole lived in our neighborhood, and and I wrote a song about her. (laughs) And uh, I wrote it. Yeah, it was just really corny. And uh, I said... uh, I'm not going to say her last name because I have no idea where she's at in life and if she's even like Catholic and listens to the podcast. But nonetheless, the song was, it's Nicole and she's really lovely. It's Nicole and she's really fly. It's Nicole and she's really cute. It's Nicole, can I be your guy? <laughs> and that was the song I wrote for her. And um, I was crushing her so hard, but I was too shy to ask her out. And so... Um, that, that never happened, but that was in the fourth grade, I think, uh, third or fourth grade when I was crushing on her. And so there, there, there's that, Nicole. So Nicole writes this, uh, Father Josh, I find it confusing that only men get to hold positions of authority in the church. Aren't women just as capable of being leaders in the faith and passing on the faith to others? Nicole, that is a, a great question. And I think, yeah, so let's like, dissect it. Uh, first of all, women are capable of being leaders in our church. And there are many women who are awesome leaders in our faith, and they pass on the faith to others, men and and women. I know there's like a movement of some Catholics who like to say, like, women, they can't teach men, and women can't pass on the faith to men. Uh, They can only pass it on to women or to their children. That's just not scriptural, right? In scripture, uh, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, begin with chapter 1 and go through chapter 28. Acts only has 28 chapters, so Acts 1 through 28, you will see that in scripture— Women in the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, were all filled with the Holy Spirit, along with the apostles and the other disciples who were men. Uh, Tabitha performed good deeds and and almsgiving. Uh, Peter gathered for prayer at Mary's house. Lydia offered hospitality to Paul. Priscilla taught Apollos. Apollos uh, was a little bit wayward, and so she taught him the way of God. She taught him. She's a woman, taught a man. And, And the daughters of Philip had the gift of prophecy. Uh, prophetic words of encouragement that they shared with men and women. And, and and we continue to see this throughout salvation history. The doctor of the church, St. Catherine of Siena, she was asked by God to teach men. Uh, she writes that God told her, if men will humbly receive the teachings I sent to them through women, I will show them great mercy. And so it's important for us to recognize that throughout salvation history, in the scripture, through the lives of the saints, the blesses, the venerables, and the servants of God, down to uh, women who are holy women in our lives today or who have recently passed on, there are a number of women who are leaders in our church, who have authority in our church, uh, and who pass on the faith to others in our church. And most notably, a woman who passed away a few years ago is Mother Angelica. I, I was actually doing a silent retreat at her shrine the day she died. 
And so I got to be there with her body uh, the week that it was lying in the church. And at one point, it was just her and I in the Blessed Sacrament in, in that chapel. And, and I, ha- I have my Bible that I stood up today, and I put it against her her hand. I was like, all right, Mother, like, pray for me. And, and I think it is, I think she is interceding for me, right? I think, um, I think she is probably in heaven. And, but she founded EWTN. She founded probably the biggest Catholic worldwide television network. It was founded by a woman, and she hosted a TV show where she taught men and women how to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and the, and the church. She was an instrument that God used. Um, another woman who brought about even more conversions than EW10 uh, has brought about over the years is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Whenever the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared in an apparition to Juan Diego, what happened, right? It was the most conversions that have ever happened in the history of the church, and it happened through the the witness of the Blessed Virgin Mary who appeared to, to Juan Diego in Mexico, the Pope moved back to Rome because of the witness of a woman, St. Catherine of Siena. She had many gifts of the Spirit. One of her gifts was uh, prophetic words of knowledge, and she gave a word of knowledge to the Pope, and that's why he went back to Rome. It's because he took time to listen to a woman. Uh, pope Francis, our current Pope, he's appointed a woman, uh, uh, Sister Petrini. She is a Franciscan sister of the Eucharist. They wear the brown habit with the black veil. Uh, she's a woman, and she is the first woman and non-clergy member to be the Secretary General of the Vatican's government, and she was appointed by our current Pope Francis. A servant of God, Thea Bowman, right, is um, absolutely one of my, my favorite servants of God. We have a lot of connections. My dad's from Mississippi, so is she. Uh, she taught at Xavier. I went to school at Notre Dame right down the street from Xavier. So, But she taught priests how to preach at Xavier's Institute for Black Catholic Studies in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so she's a woman who had a leadership role in, in the church, and she wasn't just teaching like children. She was she was teaching grown men who were priests, the same way that Apollos was taught by Priscilla in the Bible. And some of our most influential voices in our church today, if we're being honest, are women. Gloria Purvis is a woman uh, who has one of the most influential podcasts that's out there right now. Uh, Chika Anyanwu, she's a woman who is an evangelist and a vagabond missionary, and she also has a f- huge voice in the church. Sister Miriam James and Sister Josephine Garrett and Mother Della Galindo are women religious, and they have a huge impact on the church today. And so they do have leadership roles, and they are passing on the faith to children and to women and to men, to laity and to clergy. Uh, and so we need to be grateful for these gifts that they are, are sharing uh, with with our church I think that we need to make a distinction, though, now as far as their positions of authority. So there are women who have positions of authority, like the current Sister Petrini, the sister, the Franciscan sister of the Eucharist, who's in the Vatican. There are women who have authority in the church. I think that there are women that should have more authority roles, right, like within the church as well. I think one of the reasons why the abuse scandals went on for so long is because we didn't have wives and moms who were in positions of authority in dioceses and chanceries. If we had women who were who were mothers. Um, in those positions, uh, they would notice stuff, and they would have seen stuff, I think. Uh, maybe some of them wouldn't have, but I think in many cases, many of them would have noticed stuff, and they would have said something a long time ago. Um, and so it's nowhere in, in Scripture that chancery is supposed to be set up the way that many chanceries in our nation, in our world, are set up. And so I think uh, so there, there's just the women I've walked with have a particular sensitivity to, to weirdos and to creepers and to sketchy priests and seminarians, and they're able to identify them quicker than other people and get that stuff out of there. And so I think that there are more places for women to have authority in those roles, but 
women don't have authority in the role of priest, if that's what you mean by authority, because uh, we as a church can't change what Jesus Christ gave us. Like every sacrament has a proper matter and form, substance and accidents. And Jesus Christ, he gave them to us. And when he gave us the Eucharist, it was bread and wine and water. It wasn't cookies and milk. When he gave us baptism, it was it was water and the person and the words of baptism. It wasn't it wasn't milk and animals being baptized. It was human beings with water. Uh, and so like every sacrament has matter and form. And so the same thing applies for, for marriage. It was man and woman. And then for priesthood, it was men. And so the greatest saint in our church's history is not a priest. It's not a pope. It's not a man. It's a woman. Her name was Blessed Virgin Mary, and she uh, was a laywoman. And so the greatest saint is a laywoman in our church's history. The most powerful saint is a woman, and she wasn't a priest. And so I think we just have to make the distinction between ordination and authority and leadership and the ability to pass on the faith. At our baptism, we are all given charisms, right? And so even there are, are women who have received charisms of like healing and deliverance. And so just because they... They're not the appointed exorcist priest in the diocese. Doesn't mean that God doesn't still give some women the charism of deliverance ministry. He gave that charism to again Saint Catherine of Siena, Saint Gemma had that charism, and so uh, Saint uh, Venerable Teresa Chicaba had that charism. So there are again, uh, we just need to make distinctions between what's a baptismal charism, what's a hierarchical charism, what is a calling of of a Christian, and what is a calling of a Christian who is a baptized priest and what is a, the calling of an ordained priest. Uh, so there's distinctions there, but, and I do think that the church, we can always be reformed even more. And so it, it's important that we continue to look at the table and to see who's sitting there and who's not sitting there and whose voice is being heard and whose voice is not being heard and, and whose voice needs to be amplified and, and whose voice needs to be decreased at times so that Christ can increase throughout the members, members of his body. But, and that doesn't mean women need to be ordained priests. That will never happen. That's not going to happen. And so, like, it's just, it, it's impossible. We can't change what the sacrament is. But it does mean that we need to be open to the Spirit, encouraging us and inviting us and challenging us to, to listen to these holy women throughout salvation history and these holy women who are in our lives today who um, who take so much time, you know, to sit at the feet of Jesus. I, I, I've said this about Sister Josephine before. I listen to her because— I see her listening to Jesus. She sits at the feet of Jesus, and so I love to sit at her feet and hear what she has to say um, because she's a woman of prayer. And there are so many women in my life like that who are women of prayer who we ought to listen to because they imitate Mary Magdalene, Mary Bethany, and they sit at the feet of Jesus. And so who are we to not say we ought to be listening to them articulate to us and communicate to us what they're perceiving from uh, their bridegroom? before the Blessed Sacrament and in the Word of God. So hopefully that was helpful. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to address our next two questions. One is about wives being submissive to their husbands, and the other one is about Holy Communion for divorced Catholics. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. 
I invite you to learn more about how to pray like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. And you can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can also check out our sacred art at Ascension. Uh, this week is uh, the week of February 8th, and we celebrated the feast day of St. Josephine Baquita, one of my favorite saints. And Ascension, as you probably already heard by now, um, has a new outlet. It's Ascension Sacred Art. And she's one of our first saints whose artwork is rolling out this year. It's the most beautiful image of St. Josephine Baquita I've ever seen in my life. And it is available at ascensionpress.com. So please go check that out. All right, next two questions for the show. Next one is uh, about Ephesians chapter 5. In the Bible, in Ephesians 23, it says that wives and husbands should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. My friend and I are having an argument on whether wives should submit to their husbands when they are married. I'm confused because if God says in the Bible they should submit to one another, why would the wife have to submit to her husband? That's a great question. One follows the other. So, Let's go ahead and read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. It says this. This is the Word of God. So the Word of God says that we have to listen to it. Um, we must obey God's Word. God's Word says this. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so that wives also be subject to, in everything to their husbands. All right. So you might hear that and be like, whoa, like, what is that? What does that mean? All right. So... The word sub means under. Uh, the word mit means mission. So under the mission. Wives must place themselves under the mission of their husbands. Okay, so next question would be, well, then what's the mission of their husband that the wife is supposed to place herself under? Well, the husband is supposed to imitate Christ crucified and love his wife the way that Jesus Christ loved his bride, us, the church. How did Jesus Christ love his bride, us, the church? Uh, he loved his bride, the church, by dying by dying for us. And so the husband is supposed to be dying to himself every day for the salvation of his wife, for the, for the sanctification of his wife, for the purification of his bride. And so that's the mission that wives place themselves under, is the mission of letting her husband imitate Jesus Christ the head and she the body of the church and allowing him to sacrifice, allowing him to be a man of prayer, of, of fasting, of penance. If the husband is not leading her toward heaven, she does not place herself under a mission of a husband that leads her into sin. If he's trying to get her to do things that are sinful in marriage as his wife, she does not have to submit to that. Only that which is him imitating Jesus Christ. As Christ loved the church, so should husbands. St. John Paul II wrote about this in 1988 in an apostolic letter, uh, Mulieris Dignitatum. He says this, the mutual subjection out of reverence for Christ, which is in Ephesians 5.21 says it's especially true because the husband is called the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is so in order to give himself up for her and giving himself up for her means giving up even his own life. Again, so St. John Paul II here is reminding us that the husband is supposed to be a man of sacrifice. He's supposed to be giving up his life. The husband is like sitting on the couch eating chips and he's like, jump. She's not supposed to say how high, right? If he throws stuff on the floor, and he's like, pick it up. She doesn't, that's not virtuous. That's not him imitating Jesus. Jesus Christ would never do that to the church. And so a wife submits herself to her husband insofar as he's imitating Jesus Christ and his love for her. So uh, when it comes to the keeping this in mind, so that the preceding verse of 21 then, that John Paul mentioned, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, 
it's to be interpreted about mutually subjecting, uh, mutual subjection, which is a type of submission that's in reference to like mutuality and regard for each other, mutuality and self-giving love that spouses ought to have for each other in marriage. So you, you should both be making sacrifices. There should be um, give and take throughout your, your, your sacrament. But nonetheless, the wife is an image of the church. The husband is an image of Christ in the sacrament of marriage. And so just as we put ourselves under his mission, Christ's mission, wives ought to put themselves under the mission of their husband insofar as their husband is imitating Christ. Um, and so Christ would never lead his wife to sin. He would never say sinful things or do sinful things toward her. And so uh, that's she doesn't place herself under things that go against their faith, if that makes sense. Uh, but what, it, what is within the realm of faith and what, what is within the realm of virtue, she would, right? Because that's all imitation of Christ. Now, what often happens in many marriages is quite often husbands don't love their wives as Christ of the church. Quite often wives don't love, love their husbands as the church is called to love Jesus Christ. And because of either one person's sins or both of their sins against each other, divorce happens, right? And so how do we speak with family on the right reception of Holy Communion is our next question when it comes to things like divorce. This comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, Hey, Father Josh, first, I want to thank you for your vocation and the way you speak truth into the world. Your podcast makes my days brighter because you make me laugh so much. I have a question I've been struggling with for a while now. My parents were divorced when I was young, and they are both remarried, not within the church, although both are active Catholics who go to Mass every week. Each Sunday, I watch my mother receive communion, knowing that she hasn't been in reconciliation and is not in a sacramental marriage within the church. When my siblings were home for Christmas, I had the same worries. I know that God is the only one who can judge souls, but I'm worried about the state of their souls. Receiving the Eucharist when not in a state of grace and also living in a marriage outside of the church. I don't know if it's my place to bring it up or how I would even do that. I have brought up our conversation like this in the past, and it did not go over well with my mom. Can you offer any advice? Thanks, Father. Yeah, I can. First of all, pray. Right before Jesus Christ told the apostles to go out and teach and preach and make disciples, he told them to pray. The very first mandate of a, of a disciple of Christ is to pray. So I want to just encourage you and invite you to increase the amount of time you're spending with our Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Ask him to give you his, his mind, to give you his words, to give you his eyes, his ears, his heart, for you are the body of Christ today. And he does want to communicate through you to others, including the most difficult audience, which is our family. In addition to your prayer, I want to make sure that you're fasting. Are you fasting is my question to you. If you're not fasting, you ought to be fasting now, and particularly offering up your fast, your penance for this particular uh, dialogue that you're going to hopefully have at some point with your, with your family. Now, one of my big things that I always tell people is this rules without relationship lead to rebellion. I've, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again in my ministry as a priest and as a pastor, uh, and now as a vocation director. I've seen it over and over again. I remember years ago I had parishioner who came to Mass. I wasn't at this particular Mass, but it's at my parish. And my deacon was reading the gospel, and the gospel that day was about marriage and divorce. And he simply read what Jesus Christ said in the gospel about marriage and divorce. And a person came to church that day and got so upset that they walked out of church. And they, they walked out and they thought that it was the most judgmental message the deacon could proclaim. And the deacon literally was just reading the gospel. But this person then was invited to a Bible study, to participate in a small group Bible study. And this person through Bible study, came to know Jesus, began to have a consistent prayer life because this person met every single week with their Bible study group and began to pray every day outside of Bible study and hang out with 
other disciples of Jesus Christ who were living a sacramental life, who were living a virtuous life, and this person was inspired by their witness and by by their by their love for the Lord and for the church, and, and then this person really just got to know Jesus' heart as this person dived into the Gospels, and then, the, then one day in the Bible study, that particular Gospel came up. And when that particular gospel came up about marriage and divorce, this person heard Jesus Christ speak about himself. Now, the person now knew Jesus. The person was always Catholic, but now this person knew Jesus. Not just know a little bit about him, but knew him, knew his heart. And hearing Jesus say these words pierced this person's heart. The person then began to live as brother and sister with their spouse, work on their annulment, was able to get the marriage sacramentalized through a radical sanation. And now this person and their wife are leaders in the church. And so I just want to make it clear that Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. When we give people rules, but they don't have that relationship with Christ, they're going to rebel, right? And so does your mother and father, do your siblings have a relationship with Christ? If not, then I would encourage you to, in your prayer and fasting, to ask the Holy Spirit to bring people into their lives who are radical disciples of Jesus Christ, who can invite them to Bible studies. If you could do it with them, that's great. If not, encourage them to go on an Acts retreat or an awakening retreat or on some kind of encounter retreat so they can have an encounter with God through small group Bible studies, through retreats, through missions, experiences like that. And then as the relationship is being established between them and Jesus, uh, then that's when we begin to ask questions. Now, they may have, without you knowing it, they may have gone through an annulment process, right, and just not talked about it and got their marriage sacramentalized. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they don't even know that that's a rule of the church. That, and when I say the church, it's the rule of the church as a bride of Christ that she got from Jesus in the Word of God. So this isn't like the church just made up this whole rule. It's this is Jesus is teaching in the scriptures and is explicitly clear. Um, and so maybe they don't know that they're not supposed to receive communion if they're divorced and remarried without an annulment, right? Now, let me be very clear. If you just get a divorce, you can still receive communion, right? So you're not barred from communion. If you get divorced and remarried outside the church, you ought not receive communion because you're it's living in adultery according to Jesus. That's what he says. Um, and so adultery is a serious, serious matter. Now, what also might be a good question to ask after a relationship with Christ is established between you and your mother or father or siblings or whoever you're walking with is ask the question, do they know about this teaching, right? Because they might not know. Then ask the question like, hey, are, are you guys living as brother and sister? Because another thing that might be happening is maybe they did get married outside the church and maybe they have gone through a conversion that they just didn't talk to you about. And maybe they're living as brother and sister. They've gone to confession. They've talked to their priest. They're no longer living as a husband and wife, even though they're still uh, legally married, but they're living as brother and sister, um, and they're, they're not having sex with each other. That, that could be the case as well. We don't, we don't know what we don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. So it's just important to ask questions. But I would encourage you to begin with prayer and fasting, to encourage them to, to go to retreats, to missions, to acts, groups, to Bible studies, etc. And then after they've had an encounter with Christ, then from that place of encounter, begin to talk about the rules of Christ. Whenever I'm in love with Jesus, I care about what Jesus Christ cares about. There's an old Jesuit saying, fall in love, stay in love, and love decides everything. When I fell in love with Christ, I wanted to console his heart. I wanted to please him. I want to love what he loves. He loves the church. He gave the church the rules. And so if he cares about the rules, then I care about the rules because he does. And so if I don't know Christ, then when I hear the rules of the church, all I think is that's just old and that's demanding and that's toxic and that's controlling and that's too harsh or whatever it is. But whenever I know Jesus, I know his heart and I know he only wants what's best for me. And so I just always say, ask questions and then encourage the annulment process. If they've not begun the annulment process for them to find out, like, is is our our marriage that we had with each other, uh, your parents' marriage, was that a real sacramental marriage or was it not? Again, if they're encountering Christ along the way, then if it was a sacramental marriage, then Christ would give them the grace to both live as brother and sister until 
you know, until one of them dies. And so I've seen it happen so many times, so many couples who are so happy because uh, sin can't satisfy. It just can't satisfy. And so if we're ever living out of bounds of what God asks of us, we're never going to be really happy. Uh, We could do as many ministries as we want and go to as many things as we want, but if we're not living in accord with his word, we're never going to be fulfilled. And so I just encourage people, like, it's possible. I've walked with so many couples who have chosen to to live as as radical disciples upon encountering Christ. And so I will pray for your parents that they have, and your siblings, that they all have profound encounters with Jesus Christ. And I'll pray for you that you remain faithful to the Lord because it's a struggle and we're all in a struggle bus trying to ride that thing until we get to eternity. So with that, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God, we can't, but God, you can. And God, you promise us that you will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I shall. God bless. <laughs>